Hello, everybody. Welcome as we continue on in our study now of the Old Testament. We are in Genesis chapter 12. We did five years in the New Testament, so we're, we're going to do 15 years in the Old Testament, get through the whole thing. I'm glad you're with us uh, in the process, and we're, we're uh, making progress. So we're in Genesis 12. Hopefully, you know, Genesis, 50 chapters or so. Uh, it's going to take a year. These first few books will take a little while. Then we'll get rolling, and some of them will go pretty quick. But, uh, but uh, it's going to take a little while. And that's a good thing. The importance of the Bible in context. Remember, you, um, you always want to make sure you're reading Scripture in context. Because taken out of context, people can try and get it to say something that it's not actually saying. Uh, we say that a lot, you know, when we were looking through the New Testament, how, how that gets taken. Same thing in the Old Testament. And knowing the Old Testament sort of gives you the thread of what's taking place and helps you to put things in sort of place. Um, because, you know, because the, the New Testament really completes the Old Testament. And, and since I would say most Christians have a better handle on the New Testament than the Old Testament, um, knowing the Old Testament is important because it sets the tone and foundation for what we understand and believe. And so <clears throat> taking time to read through it is extremely, extremely important. And, uh, and then, you know, just discussing it, looking at it, thinking through it. All these things are things that I encourage you to do all the time. Now we, we sort of come to a new place in Genesis. The first 11 chapters, if you remember, they, there was four major events that we looked at that happened. You know, there, there was a creation and the fall and the, and the flood and then the Tower of Babel. Um, and and uh, the disbursement that happened after Babel. Genesis 12 is coming right on the heels of that. Everyone has now dispersed um, the way they were supposed to after the flood and they refused to. Remember, that was the big issue. They were going to build a tower and stay put. And um, language was confused and out they went in the process. Well, now beginning in Genesis 12 and through the end of Genesis, we're really going to sort of follow the, the lives of four guys. There'll be a lot of people in the books, but it's really about, about four main sort of characters. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. All right, so, so we have four events in the first 11 chapters. Now you've got four guys in these last 30 and change um, chapters. And um, remember also throughout this now, you're going to see that crimson red of, uh, thread of redemption flowing through from Genesis 3.15, always pointing us to Jesus and the Savior that was going to come and the great lengths that God went to to um, make sure that actually takes place and is fulfilled. So all of these things are happening as you read through Genesis. Now, uh, as we move into chapter 12, um, it's it really the beginning of um, uh, the life of Abraham, or as he's going to be known for a few chapters, Abram. Um, he will have an encounter where God adds the <laughs> to his name. And uh, he becomes Abraham. So, uh, but for now, he's Abram. <laughs> well, it happens. It goes from Abram to Abraham. So there's a ha there. Lots of thoughts about the ha, but I'm not even going to get into that now. And um, we'll just go for now. If I say Abraham, you know I'm talking about Abram because that's how I know him. But you'll read Abram. You will read uh, Abram in these few chapters before it's changed. Um, the life of Abraham is really an example for us as believers, um, all of us that want to walk by faith. Um, we, we know from New Testament scriptures looking backwards, Abraham was saved by faith, and we read that in Romans and Galatians. He lived by faith, we see that in Hebrews. Um, his obedience was the evidence of his faith, tells us that in James. Um, Abraham obeyed when he didn't know where, that's Hebrews, he didn't know how, Hebrews when, Hebrews or why. 
um, and that um, at some, in some manners this is faith. Um, it's, it's, you know, going God's way even when we're not exactly sure why, what, or how is taking place, but just following and being obedient where he calls us to. Um, also what you're going to find out if, as you read through all these guys, one of the things I love about the Bible is you're going to find out very quickly that Abraham and Sarah are not perfect. Um, but their overall walk was generally characterized by faith and faithfulness. Aren't you glad that, that you... See, this is why I'm so glad this stuff's in the book. Uh, if, if we read in Hebrews about how amazing Abraham and Sarah were, which we read, and, and, um, and then we tried to sort of think, well, how, man, these guys were amazing. Can you imagine being the, the faith that they had and how well they must have been doing all the time, you know, how close to God they were, and they were, they were just awesome. If that was your thought, and then you sort of looked at your own life, honestly, you would go, well, I'm not like that. But I love that. When you go back and read the Genesis accounts, they were messed up just like us. They really did some stupid stuff. And you go, oh, I almost go, thank you that you wrote it down. Because have anybody else here, maybe it's just me, anybody else here ever done anything stupid in your life? Yeah. So, and, and you know, when they, did, when they did go off course, this, this kind of, it, it's, it, things go a little haywire in their lives. It's kind of the norm of what's happening. But the, God's always so ready to, to work with everyone who repents, and, and that's what I love about God. And uh, that's really the heart of it all. He, know, he doesn't... He knows, you know, this side of the whole deal, perfection isn't in the cards for us. But He wants hearts that are trying. And, and hearts that get it when we mess up and repent. I mean, that's really the whole deal in our walk now. And that's what a walk of faith looks like. And uh, as we look at the, the lives of these guys, and particularly Abraham and the rest, but right now Abraham, um, really when, when you trust in God, nothing's impossible with him. And, and certainly, this is good news too, as you trust in the Lord, no failure is permanent. That should be really good news to everybody. No failure is permanent. That's pretty amazing stuff. Um, also, you're going to see um, a covenant with Abraham that's made uh, in these chapters. And, and that um, you find out that, that faith isn't based on a feeling. Um, certainly, emotions are involved in our lives. But, but faith really is based on the Word of God. We know that from Hebrews 11, 7. Um, and, and, uh, and so God spoke to Abraham and told him what he would do for him and through him if he would trust and obey. Uh, God doesn't give Abraham a whole lot of reasons or explanations. He gives him promises. Very important when you, when you see you see what's going to happen. He says, I will show you, I will make of you, I will bless you. And he says, you know, I will, I will bless people that bless you. And so God promises to show him a land, to make him a great nation, and that that nation would bless the whole world. And that, that this, this process is still part of the reality of how we live, that God, God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. Uh, because his ultimate great concern is for the whole world to be blessed. Right? He, he, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God's, God's desire is for the people he created to be in relationship with him. Now, you know, the sad part is some of them will choose not to. But God's doing everything on his end to make, uh, make it possible for them to do that. He's already done it at the cross. But now pursuing them and wooing them into relationship is the heart of God. And he uses us. And, and really the whole call of the church, you know, to, 
you know, I mean, you know, we exist to make disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, uh, you know, and, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, it's the mission, the heartbeat of why we exist. You know, we call that one more here, but that's the heartbeat. But, but that really um, doesn't, the, the heartbeat doesn't begin there with, in Matthew, with Jesus. It's back here in, in this covenant that God will make with Abraham that says, I will bless all nations through you. And um, God still is doing that now. Now he's using the church, but that's the whole deal. And uh, things change here, you know, from, from uh, in, in Genesis 11, men were saying, let us do this and let us do that. But now in Genesis 12, God is saying, I will do this and I will do that. So a pretty big deal of what's happening. And the, um, that's a pretty interesting process. Also, these first steps, when you first start to walk in faith, it's, it's really, they're, they're, a lot of times it's baby steps. And so um, what you kind of see with Abram is he sort of partially is trusting God. Anybody ever partially trust God? Partially trusts him, but doesn't quite all the way. He learns how to do it. But it's, it's a process. He learns how he can, that he can trust God. And, and I think we all learn that process. So he takes little steps like he's told to leave his family and he, he leaves a bunch of it, but not all of it. He takes his, does he take Lot, who's his nephew, and he takes his father at first. And he doesn't, he, you know, God says leave and go, and he kind of leaves and goes. He leaves a lot of it, but not all of it. He's like, you get how that's partial, sort of, yes, but, anybody ever do yes, but? You guys get all this, right? This is, this is real stuff, you, right? Okay. So, um, and you know, it could have been a little, it kind of, because he had his father and he got stuck for a little while, waiting for, you know, his father to sort of pass on before he left. But he, he presses in, and you get to see for the most part that he's, uh, he's doing some stuff. Uh, but also in Genesis 12 at the end, you'll see uh, Abraham stops trusting in the Lord for a little bit and, and um, mishandles the truth pretty... Uh, you see. There you go. Genesis 12. I'm going to read out of the NIV beginning in verse 1. We'll look at all 20 verses together. And we'll just talk about a few minutes on the other end because the intro was kind of long. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you. I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accounted, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan. They arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. And now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. They will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw she was a very beautiful woman, and when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. 
He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, men servants and maid servants and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned Abram, What have you done to me? He said. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her to be my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Blessed be the word of the Lord. <clears throat> okay. So, pretty interesting situation taking place. But... Uh, but let's see, first few verses, Abram, God calls him, Abram moves out in faith from Ur to Haram, finally to Canaan. Remember, you know, Canaan, land where the, you remember the Canaanites and where they came from and how they all got there, and, and uh, that's going to be a big deal moving forward as we start reading what happens in, uh, in uh, not so much in Genesis, but, but uh, in the Exodus and in the books following it. Um, so God establishes his covenant, saying that he's uh, going to make him into a great nation, and this nation be blessed, but also that other nations of the earth would be blessed through Abram's descendants. And um, Israel, the nation that would come from Abram, was to follow God, influence with those who it came in contact. That was how it was supposed to work, right? So Israel would impact the world for God. And uh, that was what was supposed to happen. But even though that doesn't work through that process, crimson thread of redemption comes Jesus the Savior through whom the entire world can indeed be blessed and uh, and so God you know in God's plan there was to develop this nation of people that he would call his own uh, he gets Abram out of uh, uh, the, you know Ur was a was a, a very was the, they can go back archaeologically they discovered it was a very civilized place for that point in time it was 2600 or so BC uh, but, but uh, had a lot of, um, you know, uh, for that period of time was certainly well advanced and, um, and yet, you know, a, a godless country. Uh, um, but it was a very fertile area, so a lot of people were there. And, um, and, and so God's going to move out of there and uh, as he sends him, he's going to send him to this land. Fascinating land still, the, the land where, you know, Israel ends up is, is like the most amazing piece of land in that whole area. Uh, it's, it's productive, it's, it's a fascinating place. And it's just, it's just scaled out. If you ever look at a map, it's really funny how it fits in there. But, but, and the, God gave it to Israel and it would have an impact on the world and still does. But had a tremendous impact at one point. When you, when you watch through you know, where, what happens with Israel, as you'll see in the Old Testament. And then has a pretty significant fall along the way. Uh, in verse 7 and in other spots we're going to see um, you know Abraham builds an altar to the Lord um, this, this altar um, it, it was it wasn't um, it, it was really a, a way to remember it was sort of a, a commemorative thing that commemorated uh, encounters with God that's why they would build these altars and uh, they would be built of rough stones and earth and it was there as a memorial it wasn't something that they worshiped they worshiped God it was a reminder um, and reminders are good things. We, can you think of reminders we use today in our church? Like communion, it's a reminder for us. You know, especially as, you know, the way we understand communion. Um, that it's a, it's a symbol. It's we do this in remembrance. Uh, and uh, it's a reminder. These, these, um, these altars that were built were, were there to remember. 
and, and God uh, and Abraham would build them to remember. Um, they, were, they were for prayer and worship, which is also a significant part on any faith walk. Uh, you have to take time to worship. That's where you get restored. And to remember the promise, the call, the mission, the purpose. What's going on in the process? You know, because um, between Abraham's call and when things started to happen, there was a big gap of time. And, and you'll see that. Um, you know, the, the, the childless... When they're when they tell they're told they're going to be the parents of a great nation and it takes a long time for them to have kids and they you know Abraham tries to fix it in his own strength sort of Sarah and causes another whole string of problems that they're still going on in the process so these altars were set up as reminders and uh, to help us stay on track and that's you know it's important for us today to help stay on track it's why we have fellowship why we get together why we do the things we do why we worship pray help us stay on track. Uh, verse 10, a famine strikes. Abram goes to Egypt. And, um, and you think, well, you know, why in the world, if God's just called Abram to go, why would a fa famine happen? But, but things happen along the way, and we still have to trust God. That's part of the journey. Um, it's always part of the process. Just because something doesn't mean that along the way in your faith walk that you don't have to really trust. Actually, a lot of times that's when you learn how to trust. When, when things don't... Because a lot of times... Maybe, maybe you don't do this, but uh, sometimes I do this. You, you, feel, you feel like you know, you're, you know what you're, what's sort of supposed to be happening. And then you come up with your best plan to get there. And, uh, and then God has a different plan. Does that ever happen to anybody else, or is it just me? And it's like, well, God, I had a perfect plan laid out there. Why don't you just use that one? <laughs> and he doesn't, he doesn't seem to care about my plan that often. So it's just one of those things. But you have to trust him in the process. And um, he trusted God throughout all of that. Um, waited to see what was going to happen there. Now, verses 11 through 17. Here's where you see that the trust waver because Abram acts out of fear. Fear is a horrible motivator, remember. Mo fear will get you to, in, in places you never want to get into. So Abram's heading to Egypt. Sarah's a beautiful woman. He says, when we get there, they're going to kill me and take you. So here's what I want you to do. Tell them you're my sister then they'll be kind to me and it's all going to work out and uh, it was a half truth because it, it, they were she was like a half sister to him a stepsister at some level you can go and look that, that it wasn't a complete bold faced lie but it was significant enough that Pharaoh takes her into his house that's significant and, and God's not happy about that and strikes Pharaoh's house and then Pharaoh figures it out re revealed to him whatever and he comes and he gives a serious rebuke to, to Abram um, and uh, Abraham, you know, he gets to leave with his wife and all that stuff. But, you know, that, that, that wasn't, that was a fear-based decision and it wasn't a good decision. Um, he'll do it again. Abraham doesn't learn this. And guess what? Isaac does it too. Kind of passes through. So, um, same sort of lie. Because, and it's a, it's hard always, I guess. It, you, you know it to be true. It's hard to trust all the time. Um, to believe that God's really going to take care of you and you get that's when we get in the way and we get into trouble so Abraham lied and um, the lies called him cause, I found this to be true those little lies they might seem like they're going to be an easy way out but they always make things worse uh, just my personal experience and then uh, verse 18 and following, like I said, um, Abraham, it's, it's a pretty, you know, 
harsh reminder that he needs to follow God. And like I said, he ends up being recorded as a great, as like the, the patriarch of faith. He gets it. But he, he, even then, he misses it sometimes. So I'm not encouraging you to miss it sometimes. I'm just saying that it, when it happens, you know, don't think that... It's in, it's in the book. And there's, I like the two the way... I love... See, God looks at it. When God sees us, He sees us in Christ. And it, it's perfect. And it gets recorded that way in the Scripture by the Holy Spirit. I love that. that that's part of the process. God looking at us this way. So even still, all this stuff is there. God's, do you get it how it ends up being recorded by the, by the inspired Word of God? Abraham was a mighty man of faith. Great man of faith. Few issues that he writes about for us so that we can keep heading in the right direction. But it's all in there. Okay. Uh, that's good for tonight. Thank you for watching. If you're watching on the video, appreciate it. Love to see you here, but we'll shut it down there. Go ahead and turn that off.